Sexual purity is not obsolete. Lincoln here from Turn to Burn, FamilyFamily.com's transformational man cave, where we encourage males to crush effeminacy and militaracy and aspire to domestic excellence. We're flabbergasted that you are present with us on another manliness rally. This segment is focusing on a marital on marital romance. We know that's another pillar of the manliness campaign or turn to burn man up campaign where we encourage males to be uh, marital romances to be daring in their marriage uh, in expressing their commitment in a physical way to their wife the bible teaches the messianic community practices also that we practice spiritual um, sexual purity that's a one element of spiritual purity because our sexual identity is an expression of our spiritual identity. If you have a confused spiritual identity, you will have a confused sexual identity. An impure spiritual identity, impure sexual identity. And that is one of, I believe that our sexual expression is one of the purest forms of our spiritual expression. And not to make this some kind of uh, gimmicky, spiritual, uh, kundalini kind of thing, However, the the Bible I don't I don't think Christ and the messianic the messianic doctrine breaks up our life into segments. I think that everything comes together. And if you're a Christian, if you're a member of the messianic community, it expresses you express that in your sexual purity, in your sexual conduct. The Bible does give very explicit, very detailed uh, views as to what sexual purity looks like and the marriage union is to be a union between two sexually pure persons that is the original marriage in genesis and god the man and woman that god joined together were sexually pure the idea being that two sexually pure persons come together and they form a bond out of which comes a family unit they procreate they teach that family unit how to replicate the image of God in our daily lives. Where we introduce sexual impurity, whether that is fornication, where we have sex outside of marriage, where whether that includes cheating on your spouse, on your wife, if that includes some kind of perverted expression, whether it's pornography or homosexuality, bestiality, whether it is just having pornographic or un- impure thoughts as a man, even if you don't act on them, Christ did, Christ did ratchet up this, did ante up on this issue. He says, even if you are not physically being impure sexually, but if you are mentally having thoughts, thoughts, impure thoughts sexually, thinking about, you know, lusting about somebody at the office lusting about a next door neighbor walking their dog and you see them and you're thinking what you what, what you do with your next door neighbor blah 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 you can take you can fill in the blanks that is also sexual impurity that a marriage a messianic marriage is not a place where that takes place if you are someone that is troubled with this it is a, the gospel says that a sexually impure person can become pure through faith in Christ. 
and it is not the end of the road if you have if you have pedophilic thoughts if you have thoughts uh, homosexual tendencies all these things the gospel does say that christ makes you a new creation and this is not any kind of weird conversion therapy that people think you're going to be locked away in a solitary confinement and exercised or something like that but the god the power of the holy spirit is more powerful than sexual impure thoughts and 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 practices and the marriage union is one where we do not drag any of these things into that union we love our partner or spouse so much that we do not introduce a third party and we do not introduce any pornography we don't introduce any impurities in that in that marriage union so we keep ourselves pure from before the union youngsters can be exposed to the doctrine that hey it is not good to we say in the caribbean taste and buy many men will tell you that you don't buy we say again in the caribbean puss in a bag you don't buy any hidden thing you're not going to go into a marriage without taking the car for a test drive so guys will say well i'm not marrying someone i i don't know if i if i think you're not good in bed so they're going to test out the, the the sexual experience with their with their partner with their fiance before they get married and that becomes one of the things they use to decide whether they will get married or not whether she's good in bed women say the same thing as well in some regard some women sorry let me not generalize some women say the same thing that is not the biblical doctrine in the scriptures it's taught that the family on the night of the wedding they would have the wife is expected to be a virgin and the husband sorry the the wife's family does keep apparently there i'm not sure how it worked uh they there are tokens of virginity that the bible talks about whether that is a sheet or some kind of bloody towel or i don't know what it is but there's some token of the virginity of the wife at on the wedding night and everybody in that fa- sorry not everybody the family does keep that to show that hey you know what uh, our daughter was pure she her hymen was broken on the wedding night okay that might be too explicit for some people but uh she she was a virgin on her wedding night and that is what that is the ideal scenario the expected scenario the normal scenario for a messianic marriage that two persons come into the marriage as virgins there is no experimenting beforehand either with each other or with others there's no pornographic experimenting there is no um what's that called bachelor party where you you have some last hurrah and fling with some stripper some prostitute before you get married there's none of that that's not a messianic practice and we understand why because when you what we understand the scriptures teach i believe paul teaches this in the book of corinthians it may have been first corinthians when you join yourself to someone sexually you become one flesh with that person he, he was ref, referencing some practices in corinth that we discussed earlier and people in the church were having sex with prostitutes and, and paul was saying what right does the bride of christ does the body of christ have joining itself to a harlot the doctrine there is is that where you that that sexual union does seep to foster spiritual union so 
going around having sex with a whole bunch of different persons you're joining your spirit to a whole bunch of different persons that is a confused identity that's a confused spiritual identity that you're developing and we urge persons to understand that you will carry that forward into your present marriage into your relationship where it is that you have that you're dragging behind uh, the memories of previous partners etc into your current marriage they you're going to compare persons who was bigger than who who was tight who was loose who was this who was that who did that with their this and whatever they did and um, you know this is a pg rated program but you're going to compare yourself to others compare her sorry compare her to others you're going to wonder where she was where you did what they did where it is it's the first time she's doing that with you or did she do it to somebody else or and she might think the same thing with you now we can see how that introduces distrust how that introduces the energies of the other party in your current relationship and marriage and that is not uh, that does not bode well for the health of your marriage where you come in with a baggage of previous sexual partners and it's not a popular discussion it's not a popular argument and people will say oh god's grace covers everything and that might be so but we're not to abuse god's grace paul speaks about that constantly a heart that abuses god's grace is not a converted heart and that's something that paul teaches so if you are someone that is involved getting ready to be married and and you're not a virgin you're not sexually pure it's not the end of the road as we said earlier the gospel does say that you believe in christ you become a new creation you move forward with a repentant heart a broken heart to present your body as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable unto god which is your reasonable service and be not conformed to the world the world says practice sexual impurity and that's normal but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that we can prove the good acceptable and perfect will of Yahweh and if you want to do that we encourage you to be a part of our family and listen out for the next segment what's the importance of information to your parenting Lincoln here from Turn to Burn FamilyFamily.com's a transformational man cave where we encourage males to crush effeminacy and militaracy and aspire to domestic excellence. We are thankful that you are present with us on another Mandiness rally. This is a parental hack today, and we are focusing on the importance of information in your parenting. We have the RETIS template for your parenting and that has been explored in earlier podcasts that are in our vault. One element of the RETIS template, the I in RETIS is for information and we encourage persons to look at parenting as more than just the approach of disciplining your child through harshness but or however to look at we want to encourage you to look at parenting as ways in which you mentor your child and even if it's not your biological child to mentor another generation to carry on the mission that christ gave us which is the mission of love the role of a parent is very complicated and intricate 
which is why we believe the messianic way of life the kingdom way of life where we're we're led and we submit to the we we believe is the presence of god his energy force the holy spirit and that holy spirit the holy spirit is a person who is our our divine mentor he leads us and guides us into all truth which the biblical doctrine teaches not just the truth about heaven and 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 hell in the afterlife but also the truth about about <clears throat> parenting the truth about financing communication etc so as a parents that are messianic parents we parent along the the guidelines of the holy spirit those guidelines are heavily in are heavily directed by and heavily uh, driven by the, the word of god and a part of the word of god is the bible so one big information source for our parenting is the bible and it is very important for messianic in messianic parenting that we lead our children into all the spiritual laws of god and we understand that the centerpiece of the spiritual laws of god is love that thou shalt love the lord thy god with all thy heart soul mind and strength love thy neighbor as thyself that concept or that principle of life that way of living of love which is really the core way of messianic life is informed by the information in the bible so information is critical for our parenting because without information our children will not be able to gravitate towards the messianic way of life in their own in their own in their own worldview etc so information is key and it says without knowledge people perish knowledge and information are slightly different uh, but we want to to have an approach to messianic parenting where we share information with our children there are many examples of cultures that have different approaches to information however we do believe we're not anthrop- anthropologists here at family family at turn to burn but or however the 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 information that we have shows every culture having a way of passing information to the next generation whether it be through storytelling or it be through libraries it is very important to have a source of information that is passed to the next generation about your way of life about your beliefs about the testimony or the history of your people your culture and the child can also know of the importance of continuing that legacy of documenting themselves for example i don't necessarily know my great great grandfather and that it wasn't that's not something that is heavily taught in uh, what are called african descendant families slave descendant families black families whatever word you use and we believe that one way we can improve our families is want to document our family tree as best as possible and not just the family tree as in terms of who begat who and who was born from who but what was the important legacy that this person left behind we could leave that behind some families have what they used to call it well back in the day families had a family bible and the family bible would have information in it about the family i'm not sure how many families carry on that tradition 
however we we believe that one important thing you can leave is a legacy of to of your family tree and not just family tree in terms of genealogy but also in terms of legacy what did each of these persons do the bible shows us that when you have the very boring sections of the bible with who begat who and what they did I believe the Bible is trying to trace the genealogy of Christ, who is the centerpiece of the Bible, because he is the, I'm going to use a very politically charged word, the Christopher Columbus for the kingdom of heaven. And he brought that kingdom here. He colonized earth with heaven. And I, I won't explain that. But the Bible, as that inform, informational resource, shows us the approach that we believe the Holy Spirit takes in tracing genealogies there is numbers there is um, chronicles a whole bunch of books where genealogies even in matthew the genealogies are traced in the book so and the story would have been read in the old testament every sabbath as to who begat who and who did what so the the bible shows us one that people the, the the hebrews were called the people of the book they lived heavily around the Torah, around the, the, the Mosaic law. And it was a different kind of approach to, to living than many other civilizations that were not, were not book-centered. They had other ways of sharing information. But we see a society where parents le- lived around the presence of God and they documented that in a diary called the Torah. And now we understand that the Bible is that diary of a people that represent the kingdom of God and the, the, the salvation that comes through one key person, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And his legacy was written down in the book called the Bible. So information, again, is very important in the messianic life. The Bible is the informational source, the diary, the constitution of heaven on earth and we get to have that passed down from one generation to the next through our parenting you get to do the same thing in your family where you can document your history and what you did and your legacy so the next generation can understand that without having to listen to it at your eulogy it's often a lot of times children know a lot know discover a lot about their parents and their eulogies and that, I believe, is unfortunate. We believe here at Fanti Family that's unfortunate. We can document our history, pass that down. And that's one of the main reasons why we do. We, we share Turn to Burn. And we want a resource that we can pass to the next generation. Yes, we, and we do enjoy the fact that other persons are experiencing our views, etc., However, a lot of our views are essentially for our children and for the next generation. And we're betting on this platform being around for a long time. It does seem that podcasting is a very, very strong trend in media, in digital media. And we do believe that information will be shared in much different ways. You look at the Bible Project and you may not have a lot of written Bibles in the future, it may be that uh, that Pastor Tim Mackey and these guys, the Bible project becomes the Bible of the future. And this might be, it might be through animated series and digital series that we pass information in the future. However, whatever the form of information is or will be, we believe the principle that we document, we scribe our life, we script, not script, scribe our life down 
and we share our principles, we share our legacy, we share our worldview with our children and we leave that behind, whether it be in the, in the form of a library. I have, a, I have <coughs> made a deliberate attempt to have on, on my Kindle a lot of a library of books that I may not read all of them, however I want that resource available for our children to be able to enjoy and to, to reflect on those thoughts and in putting the library of books together I do have books from different genres of thinking there are books on Buddhism there are books by Jordan Peterson books by even Nietzsche and these are books that, that I want to, I think we should expose people to in the next generation so that they can have a worldview that 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 is a bit eclectic and pulls from different areas but is heavily on the foundation but the foundation of the worldview is biblical is based on the holy spirit we know that christ read widely we know that paul read widely there are people in the scriptures that read widely and and that i believe is important in the type of information that we share with our family what do you believe are you putting together an information live informational library a way in which you can share and document your life for your children to and the next generation to participate in to, to read and if you are how do you do it share your views with us listen up for the next segment someone you know are interested in buying, selling, or investing in real estate in Naples, Florida. Give Rashid Wellesley a call at 239-207-2955. That's 239-207-2955. Does being in a body mean that you are alive? Lincoln here from Turn to Burn Family.com's Transformational Man Cave, where we encourage males to crush effeminacy and aspire to domestic excellence. We're grateful that you're continuing with us on this manly rally. This segment of our rally is a spiritual hack. We are discussing life and what does it mean to be alive. We're grateful that you are here. We heard Christ say in his, in his tour of earth that he is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Christ said that. And this is, this is the, what the gospel accounts tell us. And what we understand is that we are, what Christ, I believe, is telling us is that being alive is more than being in a body there is spiritual and physical consciousness awareness and that occurs when we have a relationship with christ when we submit to christ when we honor christ in our lives when we trust in him and commit ourselves to him then he actually awakens us like taking the the, the blue pill in in the matrix we come alive in Christ. Christ that and the scriptures teach that we live through Christ, that Christ brings us to life. So it does appear 
that if you take the the narrative of the bible to its to its start it says god breathed god made man god meaning the, the creator the one who said let there be light and there was light according to the biblical story it says that that being or the community of that being which we understand is the godhead father son holy spirit at minimum that being that community of spiritual beings who created and mastered who created and mastered and mastered the heavens and the earth and hell that being made man to represent him uh, or represent them and man received the breath of god god breathed into man and he became a living soul so that man was alive because of the breath of god because of the spirit that god put in him it does appear in man sinned that he separated from the breath of god and that's what god said the day you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall surely die man did not drop down dead biologically so being in a biological body you can still be dead in in a spiritual sense spiritually unconscious even though you have biological functions the bible teaches because christ says he is the way the truth and the life and here he's speaking about life in a spiritual sense being spiritually conscious and being spiritually aware is that is the 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 energy and the vibe that we get from what christ is saying so it does appear in the messianic teaching and doctrine of jesus that just having someone in a body and being able to function biologically and to work and to have families and do all these things to even govern countries and to run economies etc you can be doing all of these things in an in a spiritually dead state where your inspiration your motivation is not driven by love is not driven by the the consciousness of god and we understand the consciousness of god to be the holy spirit so if it is that we are leading families wouldn't it be a good starting point to get those families awake to get them alive to see to it that your family your wife your children yourself are alive and the scriptures teach and ye hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin because if you're dead you're just going to manifest rottenness you're just going to manifest the non-loving behaviors that come with being dead spiritually if you're dead you're going to rot you're going to um, have your your the the symptom the sim the, the, the signal the symptom the 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 um the reflections of your death manifest in your behavior you're going to cheat on your wife you're going to get angry at your kids you're going to be a bad professional on the job you're going to be sloppy at school and your, your wife is not going to be a great mom all these things are just manifestations of spiritual death and different religions call these things differently we're not talking about buddhism and enlightenment that comes from breathing this is not breath control where you try to achieve some nirvana or some enlightenment 
and and uh, based on some some practice that you do some works because really other religions the thing that we believe christianity has separate from other what are called religions is we are not we don't come awake because of our effort we come awake we come alive we experience life through christ because of our trust in christ he breathed christ said he breathed in on his his disciples and said receive ye the holy spirit so we understand that christ here mimics what god did in genesis with his disciples he breathed on his on his men and they received and he told them to receive the holy spirit so what we see completed about 50 days later i understand on pentecost started already with christ breathing on the men and then when he ascended they received the holy spirit so that was i guess when pentecost fully came it says on the day of he didn't say when the day of pentecost came it says on the day of pentecost was fully come they were in one place praying etc and then this this remarkable story happened to these men these these regular men that they came alive and the men who deserted christ because it wasn't just judas or peter they all forsook him is what i understand the biblical narrative says when you're dead you're going to forsake christ when you're dead in your trespasses and sin you're not going to be able to be loving to your family and yourself you're not going to be able to love the lord thy god with all our hearts soul mind and strength and love our neighbor as yourself we're going to be terrible parents terrible business owners terrible professionals terrible in school because we won't be able to love and you might get great grades and that's not the objective of going to school the objective of going to school is to be loving in class and that the, the one result of that is where you can actually excel in your class because when you commit your your ways unto the lord he gives you success but the objective is not great grades the objective of someone who is alive spiritually is love because that is the consciousness of god that is the awareness of god as first john 4 78 says anyone who loveth is born of god and knoweth not he that loveth not knoweth not god for god is love and it continues there's that's within a broader context but we believe we do not change the the, the the essence is that we were created to be a community of love dead people do not show love when we're alive we're capable of showing love and if your family unit is a unit of zombies quote unquote there's going to be divorce there's going to be hate there's going to be impatience unkindness there's going to be pride and ego there's going to be this unruly kids that dishonor parents there's going to be lying all these things that we call sin all the things we call unrighteousness and wicked behavior are manifestations of rottenness that are coming from somebody's soul out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks our actions are simply the tip of the iceberg for a dead soul or a live a live spirit so what do you think do you believe that you that where that that christ is taking things too far 
by saying that those who are not born again are essentially dead in sin are essentially unconscious as Christ and then Paul explains this a little bit further in explicit words but you know do you think Christ is Christ and Paul the gospel is taking this too far you believe you're alive without Christ you believe that that life is essentially a biological function and even if it is spiritual that you can create your own life without God your spiritual life that is you can create a consciousness for yourself you can create an identity and, and, and a spiritual experience for yourself without God and you can just do that based on your own willpower or culture or whatever it is if you believe that you can let us know share with us your views can you be alive by simply just being a biologically alive person or is being alive completed in us do we come alive fully or come alive we believe not just fully but do we come alive by the combination of biological plus your spiritual consciousness what do you think christ definitely thinks and he expresses very clearly that he is the way the truth and the life no man comes to the father but by me and the father is where life is he is the source of life similarly no you don't just have a, a baby that is produced on this earth without a father only man that we know uh, really matched that bill was christ so all the rest of us uh, <laughs> we need a, a physical a father a man to 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 give us life father and in 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 the spiritual sense spiritual life comes from god that's why he's called father our father which is in heaven and christ shows us what happens when a man lives connected to his father that through him christ we get access to life when we believe in him john 3 16 we have immortality or the word says everlasting life we live beyond the grip of death and we're not saying we're not going to die but that death is temporary that death is a temporary state that by because it's only biological or spirit is alive in christ and that manifest that is going to manifest itself in a resurrection unto righteousness a resurrection a good resurrection christ teaches um in i believe the book of thessalonians um so anyway i went on for a while but this is a, a, a topic that i just garbled through uh, but if you're a man and you're leading a dead family unit a, f- a dead family then that family what the by what the, the scriptures call hell you're going to manifest hell hell comes from the death the death that you're manifesting it is money you, you manifest that in this realm because we're simply going to manifest the culture of where we're from and if you're dead you're going to manifest a dead culture that produces hell and if you're alive you're going to manifest a culture of light and that produces life that produces love what do you think listen out for the next segment is tithing necessary lincoln here from turn to burn famtfamily.com's transformational man cave where we encourage males to crush effeminacy and aspire to domestic excellence. We are really thankful that you are present with this with us on Another Manliness Rally. This is a financial hack in this segment. 
And the question is asked, is tithing necessary? That's a very broad question. And which tithing are we talking about? There was there are various forms of tithing. In the biblical narrative, there is the tithe that Abraham paid to Melchizedek, and that was before the Mosaic law. And that was a particular way of giving to spiritual leaders. There, then in the Mosaic law, there is the Levitical tithe, the tithe that is paid to the Levites. And there, and that's a different kind of giving into, into the Messian, into the Hebrew community. Now, under Christ, <clears throat> there is no clear tithing practice that, that Christ taught explicitly. And what we see is Christ taught people to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength, to love thy neighbor as thyself. It should not be a situation where there is any part of our life in which we're not exhibiting love, and that includes in our giving. And that is what Christ points us to, that even in our giving, we should be loving. And tithing is a form of giving. It's just one form of giving that the Bible, the biblical narrative goes into some detail to explain about the various forms and what it was used for, who should collect it, etc. in the book of Leviticus, I believe. I explicitly respond to the question, there, tithing does not save anyone. Whether you you tithe or not is not an is not an issue of salvation. That is my understanding. There is Matthew 23 where Christ spoke about this issue of people going through a, a hypocritical form of tithing, and they they engage in a form of tithing. And Paul, I believe, calls this will worship, where people go through prescribed rituals rituals of priestly duty rituals of religious ceremony and believe that those rituals make them righteous these are what christ called the self-righteous people and he said if people he didn't come to save the righteous but to bring sinners to repentance and that my my read of that says that he was being he was using he was jabbing at the self-righteous people, which we understand in the messianic narrative. Nobody can be self-righteous. Only Christ makes man righteous. So in terms of applying that to giving, your giving can't make you, can't make you fulfill a righteous, fulfill righteousness. And we understand righteousness is really the, the way in which we live based on God's moral code. We know his moral code is the code of love. 1 Corinthians 13 says you can give your body to be burnt and don't have love and you are nothing. Uh, so you can give as much as you would like and you're still nothing. There are examples of people who you know, gave and still suffered judgment Ananias and Sapphira come to mind. They gave and they still were giving from the wrong motive. So tithing does not save anyone. 
is tithing required i don't believe so based on my reading of what christ does what christ has done in terms of when this if you say required required for what is it required for salvation is it required for for what purpose tithing is not the element now and here is where we want to take this because christ actually raises the bar from 10 percent or 23 percent depending on what kind of tithing you're talking about he raises the bar now to say that we should give liberally we should give without being forced and there are spiritual leaders that use tithing laws for extortion purposes let's just leave it at that for now Paul preaches against extortion no he is not I don't get the feeling that he's talking about extortionists in the church that use tithing as extortion however there are people who use tithing practices specifically mosaic tithing to extort money from their followers from their brethren etc that does not seem to be a loving act and one will have to question what people's motives are when they do something like that as a spiritual leader so as a male you should not feel under a burden to give because you should not give in under under duress i believe is one of the teachings in the new testament you should give liberally give freely give of your free will in give freely and when you give freely you give liberally it says you'll get you'll get pressed down shaken run on, running over etc shall you shall god give to you so if we're giving just to be saved or just to meet some rule that says you know what when you give you're saved from hell or you 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 check the you check the box and you're good then i don't believe that is the purpose of giving when we give it is a form of love it is to ensure that the poor the orphan the widows the strangers amongst us can be taken care of and to do that from love even if let's say god you know god does not quote unquote bless you in this life even if you don't get a return on your investment because you know tithing is where people tie things people tithe to tie things to them so even if there's no um, rebuking of or what's it called rebuking of the devourer on your behalf let's say the devourer devours you devours you in some regard in some way and you do suffer out of the giving that you are doing and paul teaches about this i believe in the philippians and he talks about people who would give their eyes who would give their last to him and he you saw that extravagant giving in the, the acts church in the new testament when people were anointed by the holy spirit when they when they live in a pentecostal way meaning live under the, the the guidance of the holy spirit we see people just give be give beyond any any real logical you know just giving in an extravagant way to the apostles and that was not it didn't seem that they were giving to receive anything 
they were giving because of the love of God, because they wanted everyone to have a good welfare, to be well off, to be okay. They loved their brethren. And we're not saying the church, that church was perfect. We know there were, were issues in the early church. And the Bible does not hide those issues. But at least if you look at Acts 2 to 4, in the New Testament, there is extravagant giving beyond 10%, beyond some kind of legal requirement. There is giving because we love our brothers and sisters. So as a man looking at financial planning for your family, I believe that the approach is, and we say this in Flame You and in the manual in Man Up, that we give as a form of worship, where it's a financial worship element, not tithing or grace versus law, that kind of thing. It is now, can we love people with our finances? Can we love people who are vulnerable and we can't receive anything from them? People in our assembly, people in our family unit that are going through a hard time and can't pay us back can we give and Christ says when you give don't even expect to get it back he says give liberally and when people ask you in the messianic community you give them and that is something that we see and we're touching on a, a whole range of issues but the tithing just to receive back from God that, in, that invest in people teach that and and there is you know god does god will not owe anyone however if your giving is just to receive then that is selfish and first first corinthians 13 says love does not seek its own so i know there are a whole range of questions tithing is not required by christ is my understanding but what is required goes beyond tithing what and this required not in a legalistic sense but if we love people we you know the practice christ talk about is generally people would tithe and once they give into into the offering plate in this in the in the temple don't you dare come to them to ask for anything else people would give and they would tear down widows houses so you're giving your tithe tithing mint and rue and i think matthew 23 says this where you're tearing down widows houses and you're not giving to orphans etc how does that show the love of god that seems very hypocritical and non-loving for want of a better word we'll pause there for today and we encourage you if you have questions if you disagree share your views with us so listen out for the next segment Hurry up, sharp the knife, get that water boiling. Where's the hyssop branch for the blood? Don't dare touch the leaven. Tell your big brother to stay inside tonight. The whole of Goshen in a fright. Something wonderfully terrifying will happen tonight. Freedom is coming at the edge of the destroyer's sword. It seemed Yahweh forsook his word. For over 400 years we suffered at Pharaoh's hand. We wondered if Hashem forgot his contract with Abraham. Stuck making bricks for pyramids to Horus. Our songs of freedom are mock chorus to entertain our captors. 
with their snacks like rats to raptors. But our stammering leader, Moshe, said, tonight is different. We saw amazing things in times recent. Hailstones and frog swarms, lice and the Nile turned to blood. We saw locust clean farms like a new John Deere. And Egypt swept in thick, dark fear that wrapped them like a blanket. Yet Pharaoh didn't budge. So tonight Hashem will over the cliff his son nudge, the blind leader not seeing his feet right against the cliff. But we are as guilty as them. We forgot the name of Hashem and Moshe had to remind us. We divorced spirit and married dust. We bowed down to idols. Instead of family, we became rivals, loving Osiris more than Yahweh, turning our back on love for our way. Yet somehow this Passover lamb's blood will exclude us from the sentence we worked for. Command requires credibility. Lincoln here from Turn to Burn, FamtiFamily.com's Transformational Man Cave, where we encourage males to crush effeminacy and aspire to domestic excellence. We're thankful that you're still with us on another manliness rally. This segment is a communications rally. Communication segment, we are discussing the importance of credibility in order for commands to be executed and we have one of the important pillars of the man of the man up campaign of this important element of life as males is to be affectionately assertive with communications we i think spend a lot of time on the affectionate side we want to devote a little bit of time on the assertive side and a command is a very uh, authoritative instruction normally it is a concise or short but still uh, instructive instruction on what to do commands generally don't go into why command is generally that we are going to do xyz now or we are going to do xyz in the future at x time do this that or the other so generally commands if you look at a military from at it from a military standpoint a command generally is an instruction as to what without the why and the 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 intent generally is to activate or to animate someone to get some action to get some movement in a particular direction within a certain time in a family there are times when we have to give commands and we understand that the main point is that for persons to execute on those commands on those instructions you have to be seen as someone credible as a man in your house so the question one question people ask how do i develop credibility you can um, get people a credibility here really means trustworthiness trustworthiness where people look at you as someone who they where people take your words seriously we did say 
in an earlier previous segment in our vault that a righteous man has obese words meaning his words are very weighty his words can be taken seriously so there are people who try to intimidate their way and believe that intimidation builds credibility we believe that intimidation builds fear and that fear can get people to do things sometimes however fear will not is not uh, something you can depend on because it can build up resentment it can build up anger and it can cause pain where people simply carry out an instruction in order to avoid the negative consequence of what you will do if they don't carry out that instruction so as a man you can use that strategy if you if you you want we're not encouraging you to but you will see that your family will build up resentment against you your children or your wife other members of your family will build up resentment and that generally will not gender for a long lasting relationship so for us as males the issue is not just to get something done now but you, this is going to be a repeated game where over and over and again we are going to ask persons to carry out and execute things on our behalf or carry out instructions for the family unit so we can't just look at fear because fear can get something done in a short term fear can be a short-term strategy and many parents that use fear as a strategy for developing their family find that it's not a good long-term strategy even us in the messianic faith god does not we don't see an example of god using a long-term strategy of fear and i believe micah 7 18 says that who is a god like unto thee that pardoneth iniquity and passeth by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage he retaineth not his anger forever because he delights in mercy so god's anger one author says god's anger is a is a comma his love is a full stop so for us to develop credibility we understand that a fear-based approach is a temporary approach we're not saying that persons can't use some kind of fear um, if it is that your child is going to push their hand in a socket or going to put their feet their hand down the, the garbage disposal um, the garbage disposal unit then you may need fear in that regard because you have an immediate outcome that you want however there is going to be a time when you have to explain why you're doing that and to build up trust in another way because fear and trust generally don't go together the other element is for you to build trust and we're saying how can we build trust and credibility so someone will execute on commands i believe one way is to, to prove yourself honest over time to be honest in communication and that implies that we're, that someone knows you know what this person is not going to tell me a lie they're not going to tell me to jump when i should have ducked they're not going to tell me to run when i should have walked so i know that this person's instructions and communications are honest and i can trust that element of the person's communication we can also show that we care that we are sensitive 
we're not just telling you to do something for us but we are caring about your welfare and your actual your actual oh your actual betterment and favorable well-being excuse me so there are a couple of things yes you can use fear to build to, to get a command executed um the general word where somebody says do this or else i will once you're going into or else then you're it's a form of intimidation and the other area is to be honest to be trustworthy and to be compassionate to show that you're actually sensitive to the person in the military for example you listen to jocko link you listen to these guys that have military experience they, you will see from their books and their podcasts, etc., that men follow a leader that they know care about them with more diligence and more intensity than a leader that they feel does not care about them. And that is something that we can be very, very sensitive about as males in our family unit. There are many males, many of us in families, in, in, in our family unit, our family does not know that we care. Even if you do, you don't communicate that very effectively sometimes. And sometimes we leave our family in doubt that they are safe with our instructions. They are safe with how we carry ourselves. Some of us have a track record that we have not been trustworthy in the past. So we're carrying the baggage of previous times when we were not trustworthy we may have cheated on a wife we may have abused our children and they remember that so you tell them something they are remembering the bad things that you did in the past and you have to behave your way out of that you can't command your way out of something you behave your way in i believe stephen Covey said that and i do believe that is accurate and that's something that we as males have to be aware of that sometimes you might not be the time for commands you have not earned your way into that you may have to become more compassionate build up a certain bank account of trust before you can withdraw out of that using a command anyway what do you think do you believe that this is just something that you know you can bully your way into your family unit through instructional commands and you don't need to build up credibility but you can just impose i am the man of this house and you will listen to me or else and that will get you a long-term outcome now again we are assuming that you do have a mission statement you do have some objective you want your family to achieve and you need to make and we can ensure that the way we communicate matches our objective and mission in our family and if you want to have a messianic family unit we see christ communicate for example in a very compassionate way he is firm often especially when it comes to to immediate needs and immediate requirements that people need people want uh, where someone is afflicted by a demon he commands the demon to get out uh, where people want freedom and deliverance he gives very very good commands and to free that person and he gives clear instructions um so with that said we encourage the main principle we encourage means to remember is that your commands require credibility and you can get credibility in in a few ways and be honest you can develop credibility by being caring and compassionate i don't believe you can build credibility through intimidation and fear and uh, 
you know you can try whatever options you want however we believe that that you don't need you know you don't need to do trial and error you can trust what people who have been through this says say anyway it's not for the next segment our savior but now our hearts do waver the promise remains unfinished our hope drained and diminished the miracles and provision unites family in division but now there seems revision faith lost to imagination and through the pain and strife it seems death conquered life the church a groomless wife begs for the corpse of Christ. Joseph approached Pilate, the Messiah's body to plead for, still mad with Judas Iscariot, who betrayed the one we adored. This wasn't how the story should end. This pile of flesh was my close friend. Was it true or just pretend? The Messiah we did not defend. Unbelief roars, never whispers. The lion close, we feel his whiskers. And pessimism seems realistic. No reason to be optimistic. No baptisms, no healing, no compassion or warm feelings, no deliverance from evil. Death's dark masterpiece on the easel words without any lasting impact. A people tired and barely intact, attacked by laws and false theology, abused by demons and mythology, divorce and sickness in church rampant, a harsh word unleashed in an instant. The gospel hidden under years of scars, the love of God locked way behind thick bars, that face bleeding and unrecognized, Christ now a John Doe in disguise, and through the pain and strife. It seems death conquered life. The church, a groomless wife, begs for the corpse of Christ. Those heads hung low in shame, those lips that proclaim blame, those eyes bloodshot from tears, those hearts laden with cares, still possess the Messiah's flame, his rose fertilized with pain. Abel's blood will never lie, Christ our friend was crucified, those feet walked many miles, those lips that propelled smiles, that bosom filled with scars, the side we cherished sliced in half. A forehead that shone bright, filled with thorns. Joseph wrapped the king we scorn, treasuring the one who gave us hope. As Judas dangles from his rope, Peter and all his friends are gone. Without the king, where are his pawns? Jesus' bride left to the worst man. Look at the nail prints in the dawn's hands. But 
on the third day, Jesus rose, burst from the tomb as Satan throws the beaten body, glorified. Look at the wound there in his side. Joseph, a grand testimony, shared that as he begged Christ's corpse to care, he never gave up despite the dark. The resurrection was the spark. That beaten body stands sublime above the selfishness and crime, preaching a message to all who hear, cherish his body when no one cares. And through the pain and strife, we see death crushed by life. The church, a groom-fed wife, lives as the flesh of Christ. Join the Family Institute today and learn how to make better life choices by cultivating a godly mindset in our Messianic Mentorship programs. All programs are $120 per person monthly, with personal sessions $100 for individuals and $200 for family. We look forward to have you join the conversation at famtfamily.com. Lincoln here from Turn to Burn, famtfamily.com's transformational man cave. We are grateful that you have fully consumed and experienced another manliness rally. We do encourage you to do a couple of things to animate yourself to greater levels of manliness. Visit us at www.famtyfamily.com as well as join our Facebook family at famtyfamily.com and email us at connect at famtyfamily.com. Have a great day today and be nuclear.